0: It's the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from State Farm, here with good news and even better news. The good news? State Farm has new lower car insurance rates. The even better news? That means you can now get the service and convenience of a local State Farm agent at surprisingly great rates. State Farm can help you save more cash and get the good neighbor service you deserve. Just talk to your local State Farm agent or visit statefarm.com to find out how much you can save on your car insurance. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You're Locked on Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. I am Danny Lurie, your host, and so happy to bring you your team every day. With another off day in this series between the Warriors and the Blazers, I kind of originally had a wonder about what I was going to do to cover the ground because nothing much has happened other than another game in the Clippers Jazz Series, which is certainly interesting. The Clippers won tonight, and I think they're going to win this series. And then middle of the day, the news came out that Kevin Durant has a calf strain and for those of you who listen to Dunked On, the podcast I do with Nate Duncan, Nate's dealt with a lot of lower body injuries in his career, so I defer to his expertise on this sort of issue. But from what I've learned also from my own experience is that muscle injuries, you really want to be patient with it because hand, like, when they get when you try to come back too early, sometimes you can create a larger issue. And while it wasn't bad enough, it looks like it occurred In the third quarter, Anthony Slater thinks he pinpointed the spot where where it happened, where the first time he really noticed it. He still played in the fourth quarter and still played very well, so that would probably mean it was on the light end. But my advice, if they cared, would be that you want to take it easy. I don't think that him missing game two, if that's what it comes to, would swing the series in any meaningful way. I mean, you know, there's an outside chance just like there is in any other game, but Patience is certainly more important here because the Warriors have far bigger aspirations than even winning this series, which, you know, winning a playoff series is an accomplishment, but they have far greater aspirations than that. So the other challenge with this is that Matt Barnes still isn't all the way back. He's dealing with what is listed as a right ankle foot sprain and is also listed as questionable. And the Warriors can win without both of those guys, but it certainly would increase both the workload and the responsibility for the remaining key players. Iguadala shouldered a lot of the burden when Durant was out. Patrick Mercall had some and Matt Barnes, of course, had some. And so we have to see how that worked out. Presumably it would also lead to less Draymond at center, which is fine. They didn't really go to it that much during the first game. So we could really see that in a couple different directions. Could also try to see Matt Barnes gut it out if Durant can't go or if they don't want Durant to go and you know, I think at a certain point, Barnes' value, I mean, you don't want a player to put himself in harm's way or anything like that. And the Warriors have a training staff for that exact purpose. But if Durant can't go and Barnes and the training staff feel he can, then maybe you give him 10, 15 minutes and really help take some of the edge off that. And the Warriors took something very, very close to Portland's best shot in game one and still came away with the victory. So I would not be particularly paranoid. And also, I would, if I were the Warriors, I would not be paranoid about what would happen if they lost game two. You know, even if they lost game two, they're still the heavy favorites in the series. They're still favored in probably all or close to all of the remaining games, even if Yusuf Nurkic comes back. What makes it more challenging is if Durant in particular rushes his way back and suffers something, a larger injury, and then he's out for a longer period of time. The Warriors were still the best team in the NBA the last 15 games of the year, or at least until the garbage kind of time of the last week of the year. And that was almost exclusively without Durant. So you don't have to say like, oh, if they lose Durant, then their title hopes are over or anything like that. But it makes it a lot less likely. So be patient with him now. Try to reap those rewards later. And then the other injury, which is significant, is Sean Livingston. So Sean Livingston has both a, a sprain of his right index finger and a contusion on his hand. I actually didn't see the playing question. And in many ways, this one was more surprising to me than Durant's because there, were the, there was that reporting about, you know, seeing Chelsea Lane work with Durant during the game and everything like that. I don't remember, and maybe this is just being there in person versus watching on television. I didn't see anything go on with Livingston. And again, the Warriors have guard depth. They have players, you know, Curry and Thompson both played regular season minutes last game, even if you scale them up a little bit that gets you pretty close to what you need with Ian Clark and maybe with a little bit of Patrick McCaw. But Livingston has done a nice job being the guy to fill in during Clay Thompson's rest at the end of the first and the third quarter. And being without him would certainly hurt that and change some of their dynamics around and everything like that. But again, the luxury of being as good as the Warriors are and having the seed that they do is that you can, you know, if you really need to, you can punt a game and make sure that everybody's right moving forward. Of course, you have to know that sitting them, if that's right, and I don't know with with Livingston, I mean, he's listed as questionable, but you you never know. Sometimes with hand stuff, it can get complicated. But whether whether sitting him is what he needs or anything like that, and again, this is why you defer to the judgment of the training staff, but it's worth watching. And while getting Matt Barnes certainly worked out well and it was the right decision and everything like that, losing Briante Weber had the downside of making the Warriors weak in those circumstances. I focused more partially due to last year and partially due to just a million other things on the Warriors point guard depth. If Curry went out and that is still an issue, you know, if Curry had to miss time, the Warriors could handle some of the ball handling responsibilities in other ways. That's part of why they got Kevin Durant, but Livingston being out creates a hole too. And while Clark had one of his best games as a pro, particularly as a warrior, In Game 1, you never know if that's going to come back, and also if you put him into a different role, if you expand it, whether he is as comfortable there. I mean, that's something we've seen with Sean Livingston this whole year, is the idea that who a guy plays with, where he plays, what his role is, can be very important in terms of his value and, and his import. So that's something I want to watch moving forward just to see how it works. And with a finger, it it does really depend on feel and just everything else like that and whether he's comfortable with it. And Livingston can provide value, particularly on this Warriors team, particularly when he plays with Stephen Curry. Without doing a lot of the, you know, kind of dribbling and shooting, and you don't know if that's going to be primarily what's affected, though. That is my instinct. But we'll have to see. And that does put a little bit more intrigue on Game 2, which is always going to be fun. I mean, the Blazers are are an awesome team. They've had some really good stretches, and Yusuf Nurkic is definitely out for Game 2, so that intrigue will stay certainly at least for the first game in Portland but I would I don't know what they're going to do there except that he's out for game two but there are a lot of other things that I'm looking forward to seeing in this game one of them is if the Warriors approach Stephen Curry and his defensive assignments differently because they have been pretty comfortable overall in this in this kind of run just putting him on one of those two guys and clay has done a very good job on the other one early on it was Lillard other points it was CJ McCollum and then Curry was on the other guy he got into a little bit of foul trouble which limited his minutes in the early part of the game and he ended up with five and then if if they have to go smaller let's say Patrick McCaw is the other guy Patrick McCaw is better suited to guard a guard So maybe that changes the calculus a little bit in terms of how you divvy up the assignments versus Kevin Durant, who can guard those guys, but is is better on a forward. So maybe sliding in, if it's McCaw probably more so than Matt Barnes, especially because Barnes is dealing with an ankle foot sprain. Maybe that opens the door for seeing some of Curry on Harkless, Curry on Crab, and we saw a little bit of that in Game 1, but the Warriors should do it more often just because Curry is so important offensively. There's no reason to put those miles on him either for the rest of the playoffs, but also the risk of, of greater fouls, because... He he can do that job ably. He's he's okay with it. But the the be, the cost benefit analysis certainly is not in the Warriors' favor as directly as it might be otherwise. So I wonder if Durant sits, and we of course don't know that yet. He is listed as questionable. Whether that would open the door for some of those different approaches. And the other kind of related note with that is how Kerr and the coaching staff use their front court rotation with or without Durant, because they have. An embarrassment of riches to a point at center, but they are pretty weak in the forward spots if Barnes and Durant can't play. They can go small, especially against Portland, because Portland doesn't have those real bullies. Especially with Ed Davis being out, you know, al Aminu isn't going to take advantage of a mismatch in that way. Maurice Harkless is not going to do that. Though they did get some early post-ups and early seals when they put Curry on him and a few other things, but. How Kerr approaches that and whether the input that they received from game one affects it at all, you know, Zaza Pachulia was fine. I didn't think it was the best game for him. JaVale McGee was very good in limited minutes. Draymond Green sang his praises late in the game as being after the game post game as being important. David West was shakier in the first stint, but did a really nice job in the second kind of being the go between and doing a lot of the other things defensively that they needed and helping key that massive fourth quarter run. So how they take that input of how those three players played and the possibility of with or without Kevin Durant and see if that changes anything or if the idea is basically go back to what they've done for the last you know, last few months, pretty much, and keep it about the same. So you don't get that many chances to really see a team get their first chance at adjustments. And so it might not be this game partially because of the, the uncertainty with KD, but it certainly could be. And I'm excited for that possibility and the idea of what the Warriors could look like and how flexible the coaching staff is for those kinds of adjustments. So that's another thing I want to see. The basic point of whether the Warriors can have a game where they're more responsible about not turning the ball over, it is not the thing that will sink the Warriors probably, but it is certainly a part of it. The way that I've phrased this overall is that the easiest way to beat this Warriors team is with their help. And Portland in particular, you know, they have a talented group in transition and their you know, their half-court defense they meaning the Warriors. The Warriors' half-court defense is substantially better than their transition defense, so if they can keep Portland out of transition in that first half, they had 10 turnovers, and I think Portland had 12 points in transition. It was 12-2, to 2, I believe, at that point. If they can limit those opportunities, even if the offense is less, less efficient, which it certainly could be in terms of the shots that actually go up, they can still have a very productive game, and I want to see how that works out and see if the Warriors can really tone that down because it's not as important against portland portland is a very good team but they are not a flawless team that probably will not rear its head in the second round especially if, if the jazz win and ruby Gobert is limited or out but eventually the warriors will have to play at least one but likely two really high-end opponents and the warriors have enough talent that they should be the favorites in those series assuming they're healthy and assuming the other team's play as about to expectations and as of to how they played so far But the margin is always tight when you get into the best of the best, and I mean, the Cavs series both times were good examples of this. I mean, the Warriors in game one of the 2015 finals, which, you know, they won that series in six and everything like that, they easily could have lost both home games that series, and that Cleveland team was substantially worse, especially after Kyrie got hurt, so... Things like turnovers, things like defensive rebounding can make a big difference. It, it does often come down to the old adage that the NBA is a make-or-miss league, but at the same point, what you can do to kind of frame the discussion and frame the game outside of those make-or-miss aspects can help make you kind of survive or be consumed by the, that kind of variability and the warriors did not help themselves in a lot of those ways in the first 3 quarters of the game against portland they were able to make up for it by being insanely good and by having spectacular defense for pretty much the whole fourth quarter but especially those first 6 minutes so they can survive it but can and and will and should are all very very different questions so i want to see all that i want to see Even if there's a chance of, if Durant is out, of David West playing a little power forward, Portland does not have the pieces right now to handle that sort of a thing, whether Myers Leonard can have a better game. He has been good in a couple pieces. He was very good in their win against Utah and was horrendous in their loss against Minnesota. He was not good in the game in game one. So how all of that works out with Leonard, who's more of a support piece and with Vonleh, and whether that changes at all, whether Terry Stotts tries to use them differently. So this will be the first time in, to get to see adjustments. And it's not, you know, Christmas morning in terms of revelations and everything like that, but it can be really exciting to see what a team saw in that first game and whether it was the same as what we as as, as media members or as fans identified as potential issues, as potential correction areas. And there there are adjustments throughout a series. That's just the way that it works. You, d- inputs change, interpretations of those input change. But game two was always a special opportunity for that. And this one is even more interesting due to the other factors that are really in play. So I think that's about enough on what I'm looking forward to beyond all the obvious stuff, you know, Damon CJ versus Stephen and Clay and, and everything like that. It's going to be, it should be a really fun game. The Warriors and Blazers, sort of like Oklahoma City and the Warriors last year, they have a penchant for playing fun games against each other. So we should see that either way. And with or without Durant, it'll be interesting in, in those sorts of ways. We'll of course have a podcast on that game, at that point it'll come out late you know it's going to be a long night for me because i have to do the two pieces for the athletic the every player and then the game analysis and then dunked on with nate duncan which we'll talk about that game and others and then of course locked on warriors hopefully have a guest not entirely sure just depends on when i get home and when i have when i have the timing so you can look forward to that if you have any feedback on the show good bad or indifferent Danny LaRue NBA at gmail.com at Danny LaRue on Twitter. If you take the time to write it, I will take the time to read it. I may respond. I may not. It really does depend. I hopefully will have a little bit more time now, but probably not. So a fun slate of games, not only with the Warriors game, but just with everything else that's going on around the league, because tomorrow will mark the end of the game twos. So we will see Wizards, Hawks will be earlier in the day, and then... Oklahoma City, Houston, which to many people, maybe including myself, was the headliner just in terms of the star power. Those two game twos will start before the Warriors game, and I, I think the Rockets game will probably be pretty well timed up to finish before the Warriors game finishes. So, lots to look forward to. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to support the show, leave a rating, leave a review in the podcast player for choosing. Also, you can subscribe download every episode it's a really great thing to do to support this show and any others because downloads are still one of the key measures in terms of advertisers and also you can check out our advertisers i will actually probably tomorrow will debut a new sponsor for locked on warriors which is very very exciting so it's always fun to do so you can check that out when it comes out and thank you so much for listening take care and make it a great day ace is the place with the helpful hardware folks